This episode of the Wedding Film School Show is brought to you by Musicbed, the best music licensing platform for wedding filmmakers. Head over to themusicbed.com and enter our code WFS on checkout to get a free month on your annual wedding subscription. Now, on to the show. Today we're talking about elevating your films. How do you make a film that people watch and go, that stands out? Style is a tough one to talk about because it's so subjective. I know some people I'm like, dude, don't even go there. Don't even try to be stylish because you're not. You, you, you don't appreciate what goes into making a stylish wedding film. Telling a better story isn't necessarily just putting a mic on people and being like, I'm just gonna use this. More audio, better story. If you're at the wedding, and it moves you, it's probably gonna move everyone. Mm -hmm. If you want something that everyone doesn't have, you have to be willing to do some things that everyone won't do. I'm gonna get right in my bed. Uh, why you gonna try to get mad? Uh, everybody wanna keep up. Uh, don't you know I move too fast? Uh, I'm gonna zip zip right past. Uh, drip drip all on my swag. Uh, Hey everyone, welcome to the Wedding Film School Show. My name is Jared, and again, I'm joined by my business partner and friend, Mr. Jason McCutcheon in the house. How's it's it going, me. Jay? Um, really good, really good. I'm excited, you know. I mean, in New England, like we said last episode, is seasonal, and so I'm excited to get going on weddings coming up real soon. Um, I'm excited about getting going again. For some reason, we're doing 200 weddings again, and so that means all the... I mean, you're in the middle of like organizing all the shooters and all this kind of logistics and I'm kind of, today we're redoing our NAS, getting that going, which I plan on making a video about, by the way, just going through all the storage. But it's just like crazy how you can adjust. Like it just becomes normal. Sure, sure, yeah. I think this year is still just as busy as last year, um, which wasn't the plan. Uh, but I do feel like this year it's much more. Didn't manageable. we say we were going to only do 120 at one point? Yeah, I think and it was like we 100. Just... We we're like, well, it's more realistically to do 150. Let's raise prices so that, you know, it will um, only be 150. And here we are. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Um, and just figuring out like what works best. Like we, for us, um, you know, we have our, our contractors, but then we also have full time staff members. How, how do we get that balance right? And that's just annoying business stuff that's like, Hard you to don't care out. about that. Well, it's just hard to figure out. Like we're just creatives here, and we're trying to figure it out. Um, no matter what business you're running, you actually don't know how the stuff you do is going to turn out. Right. Right. That's okay. Like that's just we're the same as you. Yeah. In that way. Yeah. Totally. So I'm excited as well. I think it's uh, it's a long time coming. Um, we're gonna have a crazy May, and um, yeah, really excited to get to it. I do feel a lot more prepared. For this year it's more of a controlled chaos um i've already have our entire team uh essentially scheduled out for the entire year uh which didn't happen last year because we weren't sure what weddings were going to cancel or postpone due to covid like it was more like a month or two beforehand i was like all right caleb you're gonna do this wedding this is where oh, yeah, we're going yeah we didn't even it was insane we didn't even schedule our shooters in advance really because Cause we, we couldn't we yeah. literally couldn't and uh and so this year and also there's just that anxiety that, that's kind of been vacuumed out of the air uh, with people actually being like yeah we're gonna get married this year like covid right we're just now. doing it we'll figure it out knock on white wood plastic table whatever uh, this material is <laughs> yeah well, knock uh, on press board yeah uh, that that nothing will happen this year but uh, I, I do feel pretty great and um yeah really really excited so yes oh, what are we talking about today jay today we're talking about elevating your films and and we were kind of talking about like beforehand about what should the title be and i kind of i felt like 
even though this is kind of generic, it's just the right title. It's just the right subject. And, and, but I do think some clarification is in order in what we mean by elevating. And one of the things we talk about a lot on our show is elevating your brand, right? And elevating your films is more about like the actual, someone watches the film, the experience of watching it and like feeling, I mean, let me ask you this, Jared, you ever watch someone's film and you just go like, wow, that felt high end, that felt unique, that felt, it, it didn't feel normal. It didn't feel average is mm-hmm. a better way to say. It, it didn't feel average, right? Yeah, of course. That's what we're talking about. It's like, how do you make a film that people watch and go, that stands out mm-hmm. versus this is average. But what we also wanted to clarify before we kind of talk about this is it's okay to make standard wedding films. There's nothing wrong with that. Some people might be perfectly happy doing it. They might be making great money. This is just like, if you are in a rut, if you're bored, if you feel like you're having, hitting a pricing like wall that you can't get through, if you're having a hard time getting bookings, maybe you're just an artist, maybe you're competitive. You just want to be perceived as one of the best in the industry. These are all perfectly fine motivations. And if you do, if those are the things that you feel, if, if you're like, yeah, that's me, I'm bored of what I'm doing. I want it to be better. I want it. And what does that mean better? Right? Like a lot of, we talk about pricing a lot. If you raise your prices on the exact same product, you're not making a better film, right? If you have a new logo and it makes clients trust you more and they feel your film is better, you're not making a better film. What we're talking about is how to make a better film. Right. Yeah. Th- this is basically my assumption of a lot of wedding filmmakers out there that listen to this podcast specifically is, you know, you have a business, maybe you've been running it for years, two, three, six years, seven years. And you're like you said, hitting this wall and you're like, how can I get past this barrier to really create the kind of art that I'm, I'm looking to create, whether it's working with the right kind of couples or what, whatever it might be. You're like, I can't figure out how to get past this point. Um, that's what this episode is really geared towards. Like things that we've seen, we obviously talk to a lot of wedding filmmakers, have relationships with them. You watch more wedding films than any person, I think on planet earth. Um, so you obviously have some insight into what the standard wedding film, I, I would say like what a boilerplate wedding film is versus the people that we're not talking bad wedding films, by the no, way, no. If you're making bad wedding films. Like I, it's not what we're talking about. We're talking about just like a good film that the couple likes. This is when I say a boilerplate wedding film, what I'm talking about is the wedding film that every bride thinks about when wedding films are brought up. It's going to be, you know, and maybe it's worth you and I just kind of going through what that is. Yeah. Yeah. What is like, what is standard right. and what is extra? Right. So I, I think you're a um, pretty basic assumption of what a, a wedding film, what a highlight of a wedding film would yeah, be. Yeah. And we're mainly talking highlight films, right? The five to seven minute kind of highlight film. I do think you can expand some of these concepts. So when I say boilerplate wedding film, um, what I mean is essentially you're going to use music. Mm-hmm. Maybe it could be instrumental. Maybe it could be lyric music, probably chapters, probably yeah, likely. Um, and then it's probably going to be sound bites. You're going to use from either the toast, the ceremony, maybe even the bride or groom reading a letter, potentially maybe like a voiceover situation where you're recording that separately, maybe. Um, and then also, uh, you're going to include a role, like 
showing the person actually the speaking. The main moments of everything. Right? Like moments from the ceremony, from the events. Um, and then you're also going to be including B-roll, so, so beauty shots of, of the film. Generally, I think most wedding films are pretty chronological. Um, it at least has like a main thread of chronological um, kind of feel to it. Um, but it's most of the time going to be just on a single wedding day. You're not expanding it into multiple wedding days. This is just your boilerplate, kind of what most people expect when you say, oh, I got a wedding videographer. What do 95% of the brides out there assume? You could charge four grand for that every day and twice on Sunday. Yep, like. yep. And, and again, we do a ton. Most of our weddings are, th are this way. So I don't think you and I are, are saying this is bad, right? So no. just to reiterate and, again. And actually, I would even say, I always say count the cost before you say you want to elevate your films. So I'm not telling you to elevate your films. I am just saying if this is what you're interested in, these are some things you can do. Right. And we can say from experience that these would elevate our films and we don't do some of these things consistently because of the cost. Yep, yep. And and when you say cost, it's, it's you know, a cost monetarily wise and then also mostly, your time. Mostly time. Most of your time. I'm, and you might be offering more time at first and not being able to charge more passion you know? heart like yeah you like you can't do it and not care all those things yep yep so um so let's go over we wrote down five different areas that you could improve and elevate your wedding films uh one being injecting style into your film uh developing a superior technique rethinking storytelling thoughtful sound design and just basically working harder so we're going to dive into each of those five different topics, um, starting with injecting style into your film. So what, what do we mean when we talk about injecting style? Style is interesting because the word cool is like a, it's kind of an enigma because it's a moving target. And so when you're thinking style, like what most people say is my style, which there is, that is valid. Like you, you're not, not everyone is capable or wanting to make the same film. And I think that's where your style comes in. But I think we're more talking about like, does a film feel like there's a knowing coolness to it, right? If I watch this film, do I think this person knows something I don't know? They're cool. They're cultured. They're refined. It, it you know, there's a lot of ways to do it. It could be edgy. It could be um, refined. It could, there's a, it's, it's, so we're not talking about a certain style, but it's like, it can go just like with clothing where you can cross the gamut all the way from like looking like a homeless person and you're off white, but you're actually way cooler than everyone else. I mean, did you see the suit that Justin Bieber wore to the Gram Oscars? Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. he looks terrible, <laughs> but no, he's, he's so cool that I don't even get it. Like, um, do you want to do that? I don't know, but it would be stylish. And, and I think style is all about like making a person feel like um it's just coolness man mm -hmm. it's like being cool and like being cool is definitely um it takes work yeah there are a lot of ways i think to achieve this i wrote down three different filmmakers that if you're at home and you're listening and you are on instagram um, definitely look up uh, these three people uh, i put down peyton frank who's kind of more of like i would describe her as like light and airy light and airy. type of you know videographer feminine filmmaker. yep uh, like um, delicate. Yep, yep, but very stylish. Very stylish. Um, Bottle Brush Films is another person, totally on a way different. Edgy, you know. pop culture, kinetic. Yep. Yeah. And then I put Fior Films, uh, who's, you know, Sharon is one of the OGs, I think, when it comes to bringing think about this. Think film. about this word for 
for PR because this is such an interesting word for wedding filmmaking. Mysterious. Mm. Like yeah. there's a mystery. There's like, like how? How is that pose? What am I looking at? Like I, I that's just so interesting. And then right. of course the grit of the city. Right, right. And and I would say, you know, style is a, a tough one to talk about because it's so subjective. Um, but when it comes to style and, and these three filmmakers um, work, it's definitely, I think, a reflection of the person that's producing. Mm -hmm. Like I would say, when, you, when you're around Sharon, you kind of get that like New York kind of attitude and, and, you know, you see it kind of portray in her work. When you're around Grace and Andrew, you definitely feel the fun that's portrayed their in their Their website has films. friends on it. Yeah. The episode, just, like not their friends, like the TV show Friends. Yes. They're just so goofy. And, you know, the moments that they try to capture, I think a lot of times are goofy. They're fun. Um, they're stylish. Sexy. You know? They're like, sexy. Yeah. 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 It's a different, you know, Peyton has really just, I mean, like from knowing her for the years that we've kind of been connected, watching her kind of go like supercharged, yeah. like the connection to women's fashion yeah it's just so it just bleeds out of the film right right it, it, it just you, you you it's hard to tell the difference between her weddings and her editorial right and i think that is just a that's a testament yeah. to just knowing what you're trying to communicate i i think most most people that are trying to create a stylish wedding film and when they think about like what they want to be as a wedding filmmaker most of us have a really clear idea of what we want to be creating. And I think where the struggle comes in is like, how do I actually execute on trying to create you think that, that type of film? You think people know what they want? I don't think they do. I think they do. I think a lot of people do. I think do. they know who they want to copy. Yeah, but here's, here's the challenge with creating a stylish wedding film is I think you have to find the right couple for it. Of course. You know, and that's challenging. Like... I think a lot of people out there are saying, I want to create a Peyton Frank film. I want to go to Paris and, and Florence, and I want to shoot these wedding films at these castles. But my client is getting married at the Holiday Inn next year, and I have to put my work on my website. There are a lot of hurdles to get I there. guess I would say when you think about – we're going to probably talk about um, talk about their work when we get to storytelling, but like not to – so not to jump the shark, but when we look at um, – there is a style that is like, okay, well, okay, maybe I'm not shooting those types of events. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm authentic and maybe I'm like a, a little long distance, mm -hmm. you know, where the, the way they elevate the style, the, they stylize their films is, you know, the archival footage, like, like uber raw, uber authentic. Sure. Like, like just like, I think it really comes down to being, having a vision for for what you want to do but i do think okay so this is a question bad taste right is you know it when you see it mm -hmm. but it's very very hard to describe especially if you're trying to be not pejorative like mm -hmm. just like be like meh that idiot he has bad taste he's you know like but mainly like when I'm critiquing a film, a lot of times the thing I actually think is you have bad taste. Sure. And when I think through like, how do I communicate this to this person? It's such an insulting thing to say to someone. Mm -hmm. um, well, and, and I would say too, like with these five different topics, 
not everyone has to be super stylish. Oh, no, no, like, no, no. Like, this is one area. One area. That, like, I know some people, I'm like, dude, don't even go there. Don't even try to be stylish because literally. You're not. You're, you're not. You, you, you don't appreciate what goes into making a stylish wedding film. And that's perfectly fine. You know, we'll talk about. And maybe know, the question is. Other ways you can elevate your wedding film, you know, in, in you know, the future kind of topics we're going to talk about. But, yeah, I would if say If you don't care about your clothing at all. If you don't care, if you would never pay extra for a car because it looked nice. Right. If you will never stay in a hotel room because it's nice. Mm -hmm. If you would never go to a place because it's interesting. Right. If, and this is, this is what I'll say. I like Disney World. I appreciate the excellence of Disney World. Um, I appreciate the, like, it's fun. To me, Disney World is not stylish. It is the opposite of stylish. It is not high culture but there are some people who want to go to disney world every year there are disney adults mm -hmm. that is their thing i have no criticism of it i would say it is a style it's it's maybe not stylish but it's a disney it, but style it's, but it's the opposite of what we're font. talking There's about the, well i would say each person different people will gravitate towards that is true. different types of and maybe styles. that's the thing is yeah. like we're we're talking about like using stylish in like the way that they would use it in the fashion industry sure, sure. you know like I don't want to say but trendy. I, I would but. say, you know, it, I think it does apply to the wedding world as well. Like there are certain people that would want a certain type of wedding film. That's like you might gravitate towards. I can't think of any off the top. And of I shouldn't. Is. And maybe Disney's a bad example. But yeah. the uh, the opposite example would be if you say like, oh, I want to go to Morocco. Mm -hmm. And I just need I just want they have such beautiful colors. Right. I want to absorb the culture like like, I, you know, I'm going to stay in the Yaman. Oh, that's, I'm not going to go there. That's $800 a night. Oh, it's so worth it yeah. just to be in that room for five days and experience the intricate, like it, neither of those are the right way to be mm -hmm. it, but it, one will help you more be if no, if should I lean into being caring about style a mm -hmm. lot and caring about being more stylish and we're not talking styled, like you can make a very, like uh, the, I, I'm fine to put my, this in. I'm going to put this in print right now. I hate, hate the office style wedding. Oh, yeah. I hate that. Oh, yeah. If you make that and you have a problem with me saying that, then let's fight about it. Come well, on the forum I and make a post. But like head over, wedding film school group and post. Jason said this. I disagree. <laughs> um, but why do I hate it? Because it's tacky to me. Yeah. It's not stylish. It, It's not cool. It's like a... 12 year old show why anyone would ever want i wouldn't i don't it's lame to me mm -hmm. those are all subjective terms i'm using it's not it's just like it just feels not cutting edge it feels passe sure i, I and i guess my point here would be like it is it is a style um and style is subjective that's why this whole this topic it specifically is so hard to talk about because it might not be your taste, but it is someone else's taste. I can imagine a lot of wedding filmmakers love making that film. I promise you no one thinks it's elevated. Right. Not elevated, but to a certain person, like making a wedding film and the person buying a wedding film, you would say that person is going into a specific niche. I guess I would say and they're, this. they're elevating, their, they're, they're going from a normal wedding film to a very niche type I of wedding I guarantee film. you can't even sell that consistently. Like every once in a while, some like sure. there's so but, many things but about it. But if you're doing that, you're probably also creating photos with the T-Rex chasing the wedding party. Like you're doing those kind of tacky 
things that people like. But it's not elevated. It's not elevated. That's what we're talking about. I, I guess I would I would say it's probably no. We're not talking about elevated wedding films. We're talking about how to elevate your wedding films, okay. which is different. That's different. I would say, I guess, agree to disagree. That's a, elevated. What you're talking about is like Gucci wearing. Gucci. No, we're talking about style, and that's not stylish. It's not stylish. If you do that, you're not stylish. But you could. I think you could be elevating your wedding film if you are going into a certain you, niche. You could be a great business person. You could be elevating your client experience. Like right. those are all things that are fine. But like, you're not stylish. Sure. Like if those you. I also think that certain styles of that are super Gucci and Harper's Bazaar are also like not necessarily super stylish. No. Like, well, but, that's why I said like st- cool is a moving target. Right. And then that's why everything is subjective when it comes to style. It's subjective. Who's so, like, the tastemaker? You don't like it or whoever doesn't like it. It's, it really doesn't matter if someone does like my it. My whole point of bringing it up. You're was, creating a style of film. That's my whole what point in bringing point it up was yes. you said, how do I know if I should lean into this? Mm-hmm. And my point is, if that's what you like, you're not a person who should care about that. You need to do other things. If you're like, I really want to make this 1999 office based wedding film. And that's what I love making. Here, here's a good example. Someone who wants to create wedding films on VHS tape. That's very stylish now. <laughs> yeah. It was stupid five, 10 years ago. Exactly. So, so, but you could do it and I could think it's tack. I think it's tacky now. I wouldn't want to do that for all my wedding films. So is that stylish? It's subjective. But if, cool. if there's a market for it, I would say you can elevate your wedding company by doing more of that and charging more money because you're, you're going into art. a niche. Yeah, you're going into a niche that is essentially a, a style of wedding film that you have a corner on. I'll just, I'm That's gonna, how you can elevate your I'll wedding films. double down though. Yeah. Is, which is like, if you do something with a wink and a nod, like, yeah, I know it's kind of lame, but I like it. Okay, that's fine. I like McDonald's. Sure. Like, but if you're like, hey, guys, this is really cutting edge. Mm-hmm. Like, I, th- isn't this cool, guys? And then people are like, no, this is dumb. Like, like I don't like this. It, like, A if, lot of people don't like the light and airy look. They think that's super cheesy. Is it still stylish? Because it's trendy, yeah. Yeah. I think it is. Even though a lot of people who I would consider pretty stylish are in, in love film. Certain, you know certain people that love film, that hate light and airy look. I don't know why. It's a matter of perspective I've and actually never understood the hatred of light and airy. I don't Me love neither. it. I, I look at that and I go, that's a certain look. It's a it's, certain it's style. A, but it looks like film Maybe stuck. I don't want to create it. But also, I know a lot of people that will buy okay. it. And it's great. This is really what it is. It's all about being cultured. Right. I think so. And the reason I like am fine with light and airy is because I know what that film stock looks like. Mm -hmm. And I know it's expensive to shoot that way. Yep. Medium format is expensive. And so there's a lot of tolerances. I like in the high and the roll off on the high. I have a lot of information to know why it's considered to be good and why it looks expensive. So when I see it, I go, oh, wow, that looks expensive. Why? Because they have a frame of reference. Mm -hmm. A medium format film and I go medium format film is expensive right objectively so that looks expensive right if you don't have that frame of reference you just want when you think style you think expensive no I think culture I think knowing things which Who, is expensive 
No, you can watch movies, pop culture. There's pop culture. Like, and I suppose there could be someone who did a stylish office wedding film. Um, well, I, I think it could happen. You I guess. could you could look at that and be like, "There's a good way to do it, and there's a bad way to do it." I think sure. I wouldn't recommend you doing it because I agree with when you. When I watch like, Bottle Brush, I not don't a think lot it, of people want an office style wedding film. Totally get it, understand it. But if there was, and there was someone who was like, "I want to do that," I would be like, "That can elevate your wedding film." Like you, I guess when I'm talking about style, I'm like. Pursue where the money is and 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 go into a yes. niche because Get edgy. You can, like yeah, just it should look like you have a plan. And I, I think like the sure, first time it was done, it was probably pretty edgy. Being cool, fine. We're not talking about being cutting edge, but like it maybe not cutting edge. But for me, style to me, style I associate it with like even like freaking I don't know like Andy Warhol. Mm-hmm. He didn't dress good. He looked like an idiot on purpose. Right. Like, and so when I think about like style, I think about tastemakers and people who are like pushing the boundaries or people who are like refined, fitting into like the taste or someone who's just edgy, right? When I watch Bottle Brush, I don't think it looks expensive. Sure. I think it looks cool. Yeah. And, and, and so that's why I like the word cool because cool is like, you can be expensive cool, you can be edgy cool, you could be funny cool, you could be irreverent cool, like you could just be party cool. I don't really care. I think it needs to be cool. Yeah. Like that's what we're talking about. So if you're cool and you like being cool, lean into it. Yeah. Like that's it. Kind of going back to the point about like how to create a certain style of film where you're like, you're creating that boilerplate type of film and maybe you're like, how do I get there? Let's talk through that a little bit. Cause I, I do think a lot of people are in that kind of rut of like, how do I even get there? They're making like a normal film. They want to think, how do I make it cooler? How do I make it? Yeah. More what, what I want it to be. Yeah. How do I make it different? Like, by the way, style, stylized is a different word than stylish. Just so you know. Sure. So sure. Um, I would say when it comes to kind of creating the type of work that you want to create when it comes to style, um, is really, you have to have a plan because, it really comes down to like, uh, let me ask you this. Can you make a stylish wedding film without a couple that has style? If you're, I think if you're very emotionally connected and you're really good with people and if the couple lets you, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, you can. It's significantly harder though. I would say it's really hard, Yeah, right? Like if you are Peyton Frank, and you're like, I want to create my style wedding film. And then, you know, people show up and they're wearing David's bridal. It's like, eh, you know, it already goes against the grain of like what you're trying to create. Right. So my point here would be like, you have to get the right type of people. How do you even do that? I mean, you show what you want to grow, show what you want to grow on your Instagram. What, what happens if you're filming all the time at, you know, you to, holiday Inn? Payne Frank shows a lot of stuff from editorials and style. Shows. Right. And, so she's very smart branding. Um, she creates stylized uh, shoots. She you know, gets herself out there and, you know, bottle brush. We talked about them. Like they have a website that communicates. They have a TikTok that communicates. They're constantly communicating to the world what they want to attract. Yep. Um, and they are that. And, and I will say this, it should be authentic. Like yeah. I'm not talking about being fake. Like right. that's why, that's why I mentioned the office because it's like, if you authentically love it, that that's, kind of threw a wrench in our uh, conversation. Eh, I've always <laughs> wanted to talk about that. So if you love it, that's who you are. Like right. I like the office. I watch the office. Like, sure. 
So like if that's who you are, like, yeah. you know, that's who you are and that's okay. Um, I don't like your film, but I probably like you. And like, <laughs> I would also say if you are the person who creates the office wedding film, you're not listening to this show and well, yeah. probably, well, I don't know. But if you're the person who creates that film and then you get like a super Gucci couple, that's not going to work either. Like well, you have to well, get that you will right never couple. get the Gucci couple. No, you no, will never, you won't, you won't, you will never get them. And Peyton Frank will never get the office couple. Unfortunately no, she never will. Yeah. She never will. <laughs> but you know, even Fior, like I think her vi visuals in her film, even like the aloofness of the brand, mm -hmm. her not like, she doesn't like pop up all the time and talk. Mm -hmm. You follow, if you're friends with her on Facebook, it's so funny because <laughs> she's just like a mom. Yeah. It's like in your face, raw, authentic. Like everything about who she is, is put into the films. And I, right. I do think like that's, true of all these people and yeah. hopefully true of you which is why like i'm i hesitate to rip on the office because i i'm fine with a person doing it yeah but i will not call it stylish that's right. all i'm really saying it's this is it's styled yes like rainforest cafe is stylized yes but it's not stylish yes that's yes. what i'm saying yes it doesn't have a knowing coolness to it or or a refined edge it's not it's it's just kind of like kids like it sure sure Great. The end. Let's uh, let's move on to the next one. <laughs> that took a big bite out of our episode. Hey, I mean, it's a complicated. Topic. It's good. It is, and 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 I'm I'm glad we go through it because I think there are some certain distinctions there that uh, need to be made. Um, and and it was good. Just to summarize, though, you lean into your who you are. Yes. Like who your style. It, being stylish is become more cultured. Watch more movies. Go to nice restaurants. Whatever the thing you think you're leaning towards. Like, if you're like, I make office films. I don't really like it, though. I want to be cool. I want, like, you can become cool. Right. You can become more cultured. You can become more knowing. You can grow whatever you want yeah. to be. I would say put yourself at the center of that universe. Mm -hmm. and And start creating what you actually want to see in yep. your work. Just start doing it. Um, uh, the next one was develop superior technique. What do we mean by that? I mean... The short answer is shoot better. <laughs> Edit better. Yeah, whatever. Just yeah. do things better. Um, but I think the long answer is like practicing. Um, mm -hmm. I think culture in terms of watching great technique and, and being more uh, building up your repertoire and your vocabulary and your palate, which, but a lot of it is just practice, right? It's like over and over and over again. Just keep doing things over and over again until you can get it down. There's a mechanical side. There's, of course, style involved. But uh, but it really comes down to just being a better technician. Right, right. Some people that I put under this category was 31 films. I think their technical skill is incredible. Uh, probably the best in the industry, um, I would say. Just well, when you just watch their films, they're so intentional with their nerds. camera work. Yeah, yeah. And, and they, they know their camera technique. They know how to operate the programs really well. They could teach a class on how to edit, how to shoot. Um, they just know their their buttons. Talk, talking to Aaron Tharp is a lot like talking to a DP friend of mine, Rich Ferry. Right. Very right. similar. Like, well, I was going to bring up Rich too. Yeah. Why would you ever do that? Well, because I love him. No, 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 no. I'm saying that's what they say. Like, well, well, why would you ever shoot without your LUTs on? Why would a wedding filmmaker not know how to hit his focus every single time? Oh, yeah. Like, uh, and, and it's true. It's like, uh, you know, like we're wedding like, filmmakers, we're, we're not as technical. Just by, you know, uh, osmosis of, of being I, in the wedding industry. This is why I resist people who talk about like, you know, it's not about the gear. Right. Because it's like, meh. 
Yeah, I mean, you can make a living and not be that good, but you're not going to be 31 films. One of my favorite photographers, Jeremy Cowart, is not a technical superpower. He is an artist, first and foremost. Storyteller, visually. Storyteller. Those are his skills. And that's why I'm saying, like, choose a thing. Yeah, like, yeah. It, and, and honestly, you don't even have to choose. You're probably just going to gravitate towards a thing. And what I think what we're saying is lean into that thing. Yep. Um, you know, I think learning your ins and outs of your gear is pretty important. Um, but some people definitely are going to lean into it. I think, uh, yeah, three people that we did uh, wrote down uh, 31 films again. Uh, David Chan. Um, Ray Roman was another one. Uh, David knows his stuff. We saw him in, at Engage back in December, and he was someone that was just like knocking out edits overnight, just like so fast, so technical. Uh, his sense of, of composition, um, it's precise. There's precision. Well, and, and it's not even about being the most knowledgeable, right? It's like, right. but whatever you're doing, being like having the right technique, yeah. whatever you choose. Yeah. Being precise, I, I think that's the word that hits me here. Um, People and, say I'm technical, by the way, and I don't feel like I actually am. I think you're technical. I'm, you don't think you are? No. Explain I, that. Because I don't, I'm not precise. Like, I'm actually very emotive mm. in my, like, so this is why. I go through our footage. You are much more routine. Mm -hmm. You shoot the same way. Like, there are things you, like, you're going to nail in a film that I will screw up. And mm -hmm. there are things that I will do that are way extra. Yeah. You don't shoot, you don't do extra stuff. Yeah. When I shoot, I'm like, what, it, like, I'm like, if I'm not inspired, I'm like, <laughs> I don't even, you could tell if I hate a wedding. Yeah. Just, that's not technical. Yeah. That's like, I'm, I'm being emotional. I, I think you, um, I, I, I'm smart. I care about numbers. You're technical. I think much more technical on the editing side. Yes. That's what you're going to gravitate towards. So I'm just good I, I, with computers. I'm yeah. good with computers. I'm you, you, but you're going to go online. You're going to watch a YouTube video of how to, you know, all the ways to use a NAS. Yes. And I will never, you get, you could pay me, but it'd have to be a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but I'm much more of just like, feel it out, be, you know, be creative. But then I'm like, I want to be creative and create a system that I can do it over and over and over again. Um, yeah, it's just a different. I'm just saying. I know for me, I yeah. can improve in this. Yeah. Like when I think about like one of the biggest things for me would be to like be more precise, be more mm -hmm. technical, be more like. It's not my number one benefit. Right. But it's something that I could improve on and make my films better. Yep. Caring more about like, is this in focus? You know, like right. any area where you have a flaw in your in your film. If you watch the film and you know. Like if you go like, oh, I screwed that up, but I'm gonna hide it in editing. Mm -hmm. Next time, don't screw it up. That's what it means to be technical. I agree, I agree. I, I would say too, you know, when it comes to being kind of a technical person, a lot of times the creative people and technical people, it's oh. a different type of skill. Like it's mm -hmm. like, I'm either gonna go this way or I'm gonna go that way. Um, so I'd say if you're not super technical, it's probably all right. I would say you probably have to know some technique <laughs> in order to create. Uh, this is definitely the easiest film? thing to improve in, right? Right, right. Because like, it's just learning the X's and O's. And just repeating and re yep. re repeat. Like if you're like, ah, my handheld footage sucks. Right. Shoot more. Right. Then yeah. we get better. Yeah. Like, like so um, I will say my tip here, if you're trying to elevate your films with better technique, is um, obviously watch people's films and try to figure out what you like about them. Yeah. 
in what they're doing that you're not doing. Yep. Right. The opportunities they're getting that you're not getting. Right. Um, and why they're being afforded that or whatever. But a lot of it is um, also having a plan. Yep. Right. Like either an improvement plan, like this year I'm going to work on this, this wedding, I'm going to try this, but like, this won't happen by accident. Mm-hmm. You'll probably get a little better with like gimbal moves and all that crap. Like, but you will hit a you'll hit a wall in your like technique if you don't constantly critique. Yep. So submit your films to the wedding film school, <laughs> and uh, we will continue. Like I will tell you, your gimbal moves are steppy every day. Yep. Next one we were going to talk about was rethinking storytelling. Oh yeah. So how do you rethink storytelling? Uh, I think it's about um, first and foremost, you know. Um, rethinking how you capture a story, you know, and that could be mean just putting more microphones around or capturing different types of moments, better moments, or like having a plan though, you know, being intentional with how you capture the wedding day so that you're giving yourself more ammunition to edit better. And then I think the other part is, is like extracting yourself from the wedding day and considering the people considering the themes like very 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 elevated storytelling is thematic Mm -hmm. very basic storytelling is chronological and i think wedding filmmakers are going to move from chronological to like emotive to thematic i think like the highest level it's not the best but it's the most challenging and abstract is like can you communicate a theme with a with a loose narrative like if you watch the film and you say like, wow, that one was about commitment, the theme of commitment. You know, Alex is very thematic. And then um, I was watching Blink and, and Blink is talking about, um, she has like a bunch of sound bites from, from like a weekend song. And it's like, you know, that's interesting. Like it's thematic and it made me feel something. It connected me. You know, I think that's what we're really saying. It's like considering your storytelling as, and this is not a knock at all if you do this, but like, okay, I've heard people say, oh, this has, I'm really working on story. What do you mean by that? Oh, like I used to not mic the bride, but now I mic the bride. Mm-hmm. Right, right, yeah. And that that's an important distinction. Like telling a better story isn't necessarily just putting a mic on people and being like, I'm just gonna use this. More audio, better story. I think. Being intentional, and and all of this is really being intentional, but especially when it comes to storytelling. And storytelling is like it's such a broad topic. It's, it's it, almost I love that just it's as broad. actually like an actual concept. It is. It you is. Know? Yeah. Um, it's a broad topic because you can go a million different ways. But I, I think being intentional when you're telling a story and and telling like a theme, like you're saying, um, is has to be well thought out. Do you think it has to be premeditated before the wedding actually happens? No, I think um, there are reactive people, people with who artists who run off inspiration, and so they get inspired and they go there. I am a lot like that. If I feel something, then I react. Versus, you know, of course there is. Let's imagine a destination wedding. You know, you part of the story is the story of the place. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you've got to premeditate that. Like I got to get up at this time, shoot a sunrise, spend a day, get there a day early, you know, shoot the town, 
you know, create these moments. And then All of those moments are premeditated. That's premeditated. Right? Yep, if yep. you don't plan, it won't happen. Yep. The wedding, they're not going to be like, hey, can I leave your wedding and go shoot the town? Oh, okay. Oh, well, I really need it. It's part of my story. You know, they're like, no, I'm your story. I paid you to be at my wedding. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. um, then I think there's also like, you're there and you're f experiencing the day. And I do think plenty of it's going to be like, it would be hard with weddings, I think, to premeditate the story. A hundred percent. I really do think it would be hard. Like, I don't know. I mean, it'd be interesting. I've never seen a wedding film that I was like, maybe I have, I don't know. There were like, nothing was a part of the day. Mm -hmm. Everything was like a planned out. Maybe that exists. I mean, Completely. that could be interesting, but it, I don't think it's, it's very hard. Yeah. <laughs> like most of it is you're going to go there. The dad's going to give you a speech. You might cry a little. If it makes, this is what I'll say. If you're at the wedding and it moves you, it's probably going to move everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the filmmakers that we put down for uh, storytelling was a little long distance. Mm -hmm. um, Blink, like you had mentioned. Um, and I also put Pascal Deli here. Uh, it's kind of a very different type of storytelling. I would say his storytelling is probably more day of. I don't think he really does a whole lot of premeditated stuff. Um, but I can tell you with like a little long distance, he's getting some story beforehand, but then also listening. You know, I think being a good filmmaker is being a good listener, right? You have to like take in the elements that people are telling you like this is how we met this is how you know we interact with each other these are things that we love um and then taking those into the wedding day and being like looking out for the things that kind of tie everything together right that, that should be kind of i think that's a common theme i've seen a lot in a lot of filmmakers who are just great storytellers right storytelling is what filmmakers do when they don't have a camera in their hand you know, it's like pre-production, post-production, thinking, considering. Of course, you're shooting and you're storytelling, of course. Like, really good shooters are good storytellers. But not always. Mm -hmm. A lot of good shooters are not good storytellers. They're like, that light was good. That light was good. That li Like, good light is not a story. Right. Like, it's beautiful. Right. It's not a story. And, and so I think, like, if you find yourself dreaming, imagining your couples and the stories that like if you're listening to them and like they're saying like oh you know this happened in our relationship and you're like oh my gosh I wish I could like you should really consider like how can I these things that I'm noticing about people like people the 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 endless story are people and love these are heroism like these are themes that are timeless and when you're like considering that you're shooting a marriage this is a this is like storytelling fodder for generations so so like if you feel inspired by your couples like you should lean into that how how do you and and i do think like when i watch some people's films i often go how do they get that person to do that mm -hmm. and that's how you know it's an elevated thing right is when i'm watching a film and i'm like did they do that beforehand did they do it after mm -hmm. well, like how did that happen all I know is that filmmaker got inspired and they just committed to a plan of acquiring whatever assets they needed to tell the story they wanted. Right. They didn't get a story and then like, like it didn't happen organically. It happened intentionally. Mm -hmm. And I think that is what great storytelling is. You know, there's a classic, there's only five basic stories, like all that stuff. But like at the, for wedding filmmakers, I think our storytelling is like, really comes I, more than any of the things we're going to talk about today 
storytelling is tied into your process. Like your process of interacting with couples, interacting with being present on the wedding day, being present in the edit booth. Um, this'll, this'll work. This'll, this'll do like some like serious, like soul searching when it comes to like, why am I connecting with that? Mm -hmm. You know, if your parents got divorced, like you might react differently to a story involving divorce or abuse or like your life experiences are going to really, really propel this. Right. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. Something that when we were at uh, Vision Quest this last year, um, went a little long distance. They were they were talking about um, their process and, and kind of why he got into wedding films. Um, kind of the theme for him was like family. And that's like a, a core memory for him is like memories of his family. Um, and that's what he ties into a lot of his films. And I was like, oh my God, like that's what I kind of gravitate towards even with our films we have discussions about that a lot but that's definitely something that i'm like man those are the common threads that i'm like really want to pull. well and, and just to make it personal for us like we talk we go oh man his films are great i really love them mm. could we make that with our process and like in yeah, a lot of ways I we're like know. we couldn't really do that yeah, so then we're challenging ourselves like yeah. how do we take our current process and get more of what we want out of it right Right. right. And so storytelling is awesome. So you yeah. should do it. Um, <laughs> let, let me ask you before we move on, let me ask you kind of a really generic question is just for the person out there who's like, I want to create better stories in my films. What would be the first step to creating better stories? Watch better stories, but that's a generic. Yeah. So that's a free tip. Watch better stories. I, I think so too. And, and being interactive with the stories that you're watching, thinking about I, something that I like that you said was themes like, when you're watching a Netflix show, what are the themes that they're trying to tell you? Mm -hmm. Like if you watch Euphoria, this what is, are the themes that you watch in Euphoria? You're, I don't really like those themes that much, so to be honest. That's why person, I don't like that show. As a person who reads the Bible and has studied the Bible. Oh, we're going deep. The entire narrative of scripture, they have a meta narrative and they have micro narratives, but the entire narrative of scripture is really just on repeat, repeat. It's, you know, Creation, separation, redemption. Creation, separation, redemption. Creations. It's like looking for themes in anything you're watching and reading. And like, honestly, this is my, this is a cheap, a tip to get better at storytelling. Read children's books or kids stories. Things that are simpler mm -hmm. because they, they, they boil things down to their, it's essentialism versus um, adults like nuance. Mm -hmm. But but, but actually we really like simple stories. Mm -hmm. So we like a simple story that makes us feel like an adult. So it's like, oh wow, this is a crazy story. Yeah, it's about jealousy. It's about people being offended. But it's like, whoa, it's really just about like, it's like, well, no, there's themes. There's like, there's adult way. Like we don't experience life in a simple way, but the actual connection is often pretty simple. Right. So I would say like, watch simpler stories and then say, okay, you start learning about storytelling go watch kurt vonnegut like the shape of stories go figure learn about storytelling and then start watching these complex things you really like and realizing where it's simple mm -hmm. and then trying to apply that to your films yep think like a writer yes um cool that's good next one was uh thoughtful sound design yes um i really feel like this thing comes down to just considering 
your story in your sound design. And that doesn't just mean like, obviously we talked about sound bites. That's a, that's great. Um, good sound bites, looking for sound bites, capturing them. That's part of sound design. But the next level is crescendo, like the way the mu music is moving and how it affects your editing or yep. how your editing affects the music. And then of course the classic adding sound effects and, you know, layering sound, working within the same keys, working within the same tempos, like the, you know, like this is a, it's, it, I think in some ways this is the one where I'm like, eh, this is easy. Why is this complicated? But I realized like I used to work in recording studios. So like <laughs> right. my, my way of thinking about, and I'm a musician, sound is just like baked into my brain. Sure. So many people out there, I think when they think of sound design, they think about, oh, I need to pick the right song. I need to pick the right first song add and then the right second thing. song. And then I'm going to add a couple sound effects. And then if there's a seagull, I'm going to add a little cawing. <laughs> to the shot and then that's sound design right sound design yeah. and and what we're saying is like there is an elevated way to approach your wedding film like there's so many different options and and as there is in in kind of all these themes that we've kind of outlined um you know something that i really like when people do is like maybe part of the song is using lyric and then they're using kind of the the underlying track uh, the ins instrumental version. And then they're kind of going back and forth between those two. Um, you know, I think that's another layer of using music, um, using the crescendo to your, you know, uh, benefit during the parts that really need some bang to it. Um, and then, yeah, like maybe bringing in some risers, using some sound effects. Um, but I think a lot of people just think about it as that simple, like finding the right song and then maybe finding the right sound bite. You know, um, to make this more relatable, even though it's not design, but I think this is what people go through. How many times have you heard people say, oh, anyone else think the music bed is getting crap now? They have no songs. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, I went on there and I found amazing songs. All kinds of, they, they literally add new songs every week. Yeah. So what I realized is they actually don't know how to, they don't know what they're looking for. Mm. The, the, so like they're not they're already starting out on the wrong foot right and and like that is what i find with bad sound design is like a lot of times people don't know what they're trying to do and they don't know even the difference between good and bad so like they're like well someone's clearly walking i'm like you it's, you use the wrong surface that's brick not wood mm -hmm. that person's making a wood sound they're not getting quieter as they walk away from the camera there's no echo there's not like you, you don't know why you're doing it. You think like every time I show a shoe, I should, are you just trying to sh actually trick me into thinking that their feet made that sound? That's sound design. Yeah. It's not sound design to just put the sound effect associated with the thing you're seeing every time. I almost think like thoughtful sound design is almost a subcategory of storytelling. Like mm -hmm. you were saying, um, because it's, what is the story you're trying to tell and how do you use sound to your benefit to tell the story better? Right. Like uh, some people that we wrote down, Henry Martin's films by Stanton, Maru films. Yeah. Um, you had also mentioned uh, the Bottle Brush film that won at WPPI this year. It used 11 different songs. Isn't mm -hmm. that what you said? Yeah. 11 different songs. Like Effortless, effortlessly. Yeah. You, you couldn't barely even even tell it. the difference. And like it was breaks. It was sound. It was like a tour de force of sound design. Right. And, you know, like you go back and watch like um, Stanton did a... Uh, really cool breakdown of a film he did in Iceland and he shows his timeline and all that junk. Like 
it's very it's 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 technical it's it's not untechnical but it's not that technical what it is is very intentional it's like it's like being very considerate there's a there is an element of style when it comes to sound design like you can be become really tacky really fast like so that's why intentionality is so important you have to know what you're trying to do and so you can know if you succeeded or if you're coming across as like kitschy and, and tacky right i almost think like when you're creating a wedding film what it, what are some of the things that you're doing first, maybe before you get to sound design? Does that make sense? Like, are you designing the story before you're working on the sound design or is the, the sound design kind of a supporting actor in when the role we, of the film? When we edit for other people with our Outpost studios, um, you know, we the first thing we do is take all their sound, lay it out as a story. So it's like like their sound bites, mm-hmm, sound okay. bites, but music too. Sure, like breaks and music, everything, and show them. We say, listen to this. Is this a good story? You know. So to me, like it's hard to extract storytelling from this, but like it's really all about like. I think filmmakers are very visually driven, and so oftentimes they find good clips and they base their story on good clips. But I, I actually think the sound design is actually more the story than the, the actual clips. You know, I, I'm, I'm mad, like, okay. Sorry, guys, if you're listening. But I remember watching that bottle brush film and, and thinking like, yeah, it's, it's fine. But you watch it with the audio on and you're like, this is amazing. It's like, the audio tricked me. Mm, yeah. You know, it made it made me feel like the film was was it was better. It was not it didn't trick me. It was better, mm-hmm. and it was like part of it. And I honestly think like if you are just kind of mailing it in, two like two songs, a clip from every speech, a clip from the ceremony, done. You can make a ton of money on that, so go for it. But like, <laughs> but like at the end of the day, if you want to elevate it, this is. Um, it's a big, 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 big category, but it's not that hard to figure out where your options are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You record outside the wedding, either pay someone or get someone to read it. You add better sound bites and you are much, much, you get cooler, better taste in music. And this is a tough one, right? How does someone, we, like I said, how do you, there's no accounting for bad taste. Right. That's right. the thing is like, if you don't know what's cool, I think this is true, by the way. Are the seagull sounds cool? That's what I want. I actually know. don't mind them. The problem is, is like <laughs> when it's just the same volume level, it's like, it's, it's like, it's, <laughs> it's just, just pro loud. tip. If yeah. you're putting a seagull sound in your sound, in your film and the seagull's mouth is not moving <laughs> and it sounds like it's screaming directly in your ear, you're not doing it right. Right. Like, right. and I think like, that's really like what it is. It's sound like, design is always, I, I feel like it's always, even if it's loud, it's subtle, right? Even if the music is loud, even if the sound effect is loud or whatever, like you shouldn't think, wow, that's out of place, right? Well, you it has shouldn't to be even, a, a lot of it, you shouldn't notice. Right. Or they should really know, like, I think you can be abrupt and mm-hmm. like really in your face and really stylized with your sound design. Right. But you better be careful. Right. You better be like, you better have the footage to back it up. Yep. I think when it comes to style though, 
if your sound bites are taking people out of the film to be like, what the heck is that? Yeah, why is this in there? It can it can go south south pretty quick. You don't want to distract from your story. Exactly. You want to enhance your story. Yeah. Uh, and then the last one we talked about was work harder. Work harder. Quit being so lazy. <laughs> I think um, the Achilles heel of the wedding filmmaker is that. I would just say probably not. There are a lot of hard workers. But um, you have to work really hard. And this is what I'll say as a compliment to the whole entire industry. This is hard. Like, you have to work really hard just to make a basic wedding film. That is a 12-hour day. So if you are fine with just that, that's not bad at all. But if you're like, my goal is to really kick it up a notch, it's not good enough. Mm-hmm. How many times uh, do you laugh when you hear photographers talk about how hard they're working? Uh, I think I make fun of photographers in my head and like, and on the podcast and on the podcast. <laughs> Even though I like, I love photographers Me because too. what Me they too. do with their branding and sales and they they work hard in other areas. I, I um, like to rag on them because I am one, but, but also I'm like, man. When we do wedding films, we literally take three times, at least three times longer oh, to produce it's the same hard. thing for half the cost. It's freaking <laughs> hard. So, so this is why, like, this is just a like a gut check kind of thing, which is like, I know what goes into a lot of these people's films, and you're not doing that. Mm-hmm. When is the last time you woke up and at sunrise? When is the last time you took a whole extra day to shoot that you were not paid for? Like, when is the last time that you got on a plane for free to go somewhere beautiful to shoot? Like, these are things that are that really high-end filmmakers are doing right. to create this elevated film and, that and stands would, out. And I would say this isn't just for you as a filmmaker who's trying to elevate your films. I would say if you're a wedding filmmaker on you know the higher in the higher echelon, that doesn't stop. Like you still have to work really hard. The people that are making the best wedding films out there are still working very, very hard. Well, they still are waking up at 5 a.m. It doesn't just stop where you're like, I've made it. It's like you have to still work really hard in that. Atmosphere. Yeah, and like obviously the goal is to make your job as easy as possible by not screwing up and by having a plan and all that junk. Of course. But like, you know, we talk about like three filmmakers that that are hard workers yep. in, in, actually, did we? Here are three filmmakers that are hardworking. We'll tell <laughs> yeah. them right now. Yeah. The three that we put down were Fire and Ice, who those people are crazy pre-production. Freaking insane. Yeah. And they have a whole staff, but they are crazy how hard they work. Uh, you and I are shooting 200. I know weddings. exactly like, oh what they're God, How much work they have. It's crazy. I'm like, I wouldn't do that. I don't want to do that. Yeah. I don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sculpted with time. Uh, and then David Chang. Yes. David, you- by the way, you're the only person who made it on the list twice. Well, no, I, I, did, I think I mentioned... Uh, I think I mentioned Blake twice. Well, not officially not on officially. the list. They weren't officially on the list. Like, the list. so I, knowing all these people somewhat personally, like yeah. I would say the reason we mentioned this is because it's like you really don't know how hard people are working unless you've shot with them mm-hmm. or unless you know them well. But the more I know these people, the more I'm like, the reason this is not happening in my films is because I'm not willing to do what they are willing to do. Right. And yep. like, I'm not willing to get up as early as Alex is and shoot as much like five, six time lapses at every event. Mm-hmm. I just, and he didn't, he didn't just get a good opportunity and then do that. Right. He did it to get the opportunity. Right. 
you know, watching David Chang and engage and his team burn themselves to a crisp for three days because they knew that they're going to be in front of a, but like, if you want something that everyone doesn't have, you have to be willing to do some things that everyone won't do. And, and I, and I think there's this like pre prevailing kind of like theme amongst creatives to crap on hustle, you know, insult people and, and like almost like shame people for wanting to work hard. Like, mm -hmm. you know, your family, your, your mental health, like these are legitimate things by the way. Like, so I'm not criticizing them. I'm just, what I am criticizing is the comparisons that people make where they basically say the opposite of hard work. They, like they describe hard work and doing like being an artist and someone who's able to do amazing things. They act like it can be done by people who aren't obsessive. It cannot be done. Go find me an amazing artist who didn't push themselves to the absolute limit. Freaking find it. Mm -hmm. Find me one. Nobody. So like if your number one priority is having your Saturdays back, if, if that's like when I talk to you about wedding filmmaking, you start saying stuff to me like, yeah, I just want to have my Saturdays back. I know you're not making exceptional films. Yeah. Because it's like a good, a good artist is thinking about how do I make better art? Like, sure. And like, that's cool, by the way. Like I keep saying, we're, this is not about how to make money. This is about how to make better art. If you want to make better art, you have to be obsessed. You have to kill yourself. You have to be willing. And there are of course ways to do it. And I do think you, you have to rest still. So I am not in favor of no rest. That's a concept I believe in deeply. Having boundaries, I believe in that. Priorities, I believe in that. But like literally like we're not talking, it's, it's not work-life balance to get up if like, how does, what does that have to do with that? Get up and shoot a sunrise. So that's like, do that. Work, just work harder. Right, right. And since you used a super generic phrase, I'll also use the, the harder you work, the luckier you get, right? Mm the more opportunities you get. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, let's close this thing up. Um, hopefully that was helpful, uh, for you guys. I at guarantee home. it was, I, I promise there was <laughs> something in there for some of you since yes. we're so confident, I'm so confident <laughs> about that. I'm elevating my podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, guys, we are going to be starting up the WFS live show again sometime soon. We have a date in our brains, right, We Jason? just can't say it. We just can't say it because we're still waiting on occupancy for the building. There's magic government rules that we can't just jump past. Ridiculousness, by the way, um, that we are waiting for. Before we give that official date, just so you guys aren't sitting by your uh, computers waiting for us on that night where we restart it. Um, but that date should be coming soon. We also have a BTS that's going to be coming out next week. Um, so make sure that you're checking in on the YouTube channel um, because that one's going to be pretty good. That's an elevated. Uh, I'm actually really excited Boston wedding. about one thing we're going to do, which is uh, I'm going to be doing live editing on one of the days of the week. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to, you know, throughout the season, just edit entire wedding films from start to finish. Well, that's cool. That's an announcement. Yeah, with everybody. So, you know, we'll be hanging out for like a couple hours, two or three hours at a time, and I'll just won't work on the film when I'm not doing that. And hopefully I won't be late <laughs> on yep. anybody's deliveries. But I'm excited about, in terms of storytelling, you'll get to kind of see some of our process. You yep. can criticize me and make fun of me and realize <laughs> I have no credibility. All those things You're are on the it. table. Yeah. 
Um, and, and then the last thing to remember, uh, we are doing a wedding filmmaking team building class on Wednesday, May 11th. Very um, exciting. That is still, we haven't picked a time for that. But I think it's actually tuned. at once. So if you head over to weddingfilm.school forward slash classes, I believe, or workshops, but I think it's classes, um, head over to that website, sign up. It's totally free. It's going to be, I think, an hour and a half, two hours long, question, answer, but also we'll do a little presentation. So head over there. Great. And as usual, guys, check us out on Instagram. Check us out on Facebook where the community is constantly going back and forth and fighting. If you want the drama, go to Facebook. Uh, and, and no, there really isn't any It's drama. a super right-wing group, mostly. <laughs> well, <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> well... Yeah. Uh, the fireworks happened there. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, if you have questions about anything, if you want to comment about how ridiculous this episode is, uh, make sure you're chiming in there, guys. Thank you again for listening to the Wedding Film School Show. And again, we'll see you again next week.